and um, we're gonna be breaking down an awesome card this week. It's gonna be uh, or this card is not um, you know, the best card, but the main event is a awesome main event, and um, you know, we're coming off an amazing card that just happened uh, yesterday on um, UFC 251. I mean, some of the best fights of the year happened on that card. A really fun card to watch. And uh, we uh, hit the parlay of the week. And uh, we also went 10-3 and on the pick, so we're hoping to keep that momentum going here. And um, the first fight of the night here is a short-notice replacement fight. And uh, first of all, I'm going to say real quick, uh, I did say I was going to get this out like on uh, Thursday, which, you know, my bad, I'm getting it out a little bit late. But it's been, you know... They, they added some fights. They kind of, uh, it's been a lot to keep up with. And I'm going to try to get out the one for this next Saturday, maybe on uh, Wednesday or something. But thanks for hanging in there with me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can be successful on this card also. And, uh, yeah, just keep it keep it posted and you'll be able to find predictions sooner or later this week. But the first fight of the night here, uh, George Gonzalez, Kenneth Berg. And uh, Gonzalez, um, he's stepping up here probably on about a week's notice, I think, or two weeks' notice. And I think he's actually probably a better fighter than Timo Fau, who is Berg's original opponent. And he's tested himself pretty good competition. He's fought in Russia. He's won seven of his last eight fights. On the feet, he's kind of wild. He has huge power, loves to brawl, one-punch knockout power. He walks fighters down. He's very explosive. He's athletic. Uses a lot of straight punch blitzes to close the distance. And when he has fighters backed up, he'll wing wide hooks, uh, big overhands, He's willing to get in pocket wars, and he just has that one-punch power and durability. Fun guy to watch. He has 12 first-round knockouts, never been finished by strikes, and he's not a uh, super good offensive wrestler or grappler really at all, but he will sometimes duck under, hit some double legs, and in top position, when he can posture up, he will you know throw some hard shots to try to finish you. His defensive wrestling is a little bit questionable. Um, in this fight, I'm not sure. I think he's probably going to have enough to keep it on the feet. But on the mat, he has been submitted four times. So that is the weak point of his game. And that's a, you know something that you have to look into here because Kenneth Berg is a uh, submission specialist. And he does have four submissions of his own. And Kenneth Berg, he's another newcomer here. He's uh, 8-0. And that record you know, is a little bit fugazi because he does have two losses under the UFC banner. He lost in the Contender Series and on the Ultimate Fighter by submission. His fight on the Contender Series, his opponent failed uh, USADA tests, and so that fight got changed to a no contest. And then in the Eric Spicely fight, the uh, tough fights are exhibition bouts. So he did get submitted in both those fights, but they aren't in his record. And um, on the feet, he's all right. He's rangy, has good kicks. He uh, likes to stay loose with the hands, throws some nice jabs, one-twos. He'll throw lead left hooks, keeps a high guard, and he really tries to you know, counter with the hooks over the top. And for a big guy, he has pretty good movement, nice low kicks. He'll throw round kicks, body head. And his defense is not very good, though. He's very hittable. He also doesn't look like he throws with a lot of power. He's throwing shots just to close the distance and isn't looking to finish fights on the feet too much. He does have two TKOs uh, early in his career, but he's and he's never been finished by strikes. So, so far, you know, he's still uh, shown good durability. But he's a submission specialist. He's a neck hunter. Really wicked guillotine. If you shoot in on Kenneth Berg, I mean, you better protect your neck, man, because he has a lot of faith in that guillotine. You'll pull guard with it, which I don't really like to see, but he's been successful doing it. And uh, he gets most of his submissions when fighters shoot in on him. He tries to use forward pressure, get guys to shoot in on him, and then uh, hit the submission. He doesn't really have the best wrestling. Uh, he'll just look to kind of maul opponents against a cage, use the size zap their energy a little bit and then try to chain wrestle him to the ground and he is a pretty big guy so uh i don't know if he's going to be able to do that to a guy like george gonzalez but uh you know on top berg does have a lot of different attacks he has good arm triangles rear naked chokes good ground and pound but he could be taken down himself and um if you can avoid the submission the guillotine when you go for the takedown and actually cement the position on the ground um he kind of doesn't look that good off his back. I mean, he will try to scramble to stand up, but gives his back. is uh, a quick tapper. And, um, you know, he does have six submissions in his career. He's finished all eight of his wins. And he's only been out of the first round one time. So he gets his work done really early in fights. But looking at this fight, I like Gonzalez here. I like his forward pressure. I like his power. And he's going to be, uh, you know, going forward, forcing a war, in my opinion, in this fight. And I think that... 
he's going to kind of draw Berg into that fight because Berg isn't that experienced. I think he's going to land a bomb and uh, probably take him out in the first round. He has a lot more experience. He's beaten high level, more high-level fighters. He has the better striking. And um, I think he's a little bit more athletic also. And he's beaten guys like, like Luke Barnock, guys that have been in the UFC. Um, I think he's going to be able to keep it standing. And I'm going to say Gonzalez gets a first-round knockout here. And uh, up next, we have another fight that was made on uh, kind of short notice here. Um, John Phillips versus Kamzat Chimiev. And John Phillips, he uh, entered the UFC column with a, uh, or UFC win column, I'm sorry, with a resounding uh, win. I mean, he won in 14 seconds against Alan, uh, Alan Amadovsky in November. And that win snapped a three-fight losing streak for Phillips. And, you know, John Phillips' nickname tells it all. He's there to knock your head off. You know, he's the white Mike Tyson and devastating one-punch knockout power, very durable. He's a solid boxer. Uh, his one-two is pretty good, powerful right hook. He will throw uh, some pretty wild overhand rights, left hook combinations. He'll throw uh, hard hooks, uppercuts, close the distance, and solid hand speed. Pretty dangerous in the pocket. Uh, Kevin Holland, um, you know, was able to kind of pick him apart at range with body kicks, and he looks a little bit weak to the body, but uh, he was unwilling to engage with Philip in the Phillips in the pocket at times and uh, was running away, which, you know, made Phillips look good to the judges, you know, a little bit. But uh, Phillips throttled Jack Marshman early in round one of his last fight, or uh, of his fight before the Amadoski fight. And he had Marshman, you know, on his bike the rest of the fight. I thought he won that fight. Uh, he'll throw some nice low kicks, but he could be outstruck by guys who can stay long. You know, guys who can kick, who can pot shot, you know, not give him the fight that he wants. He does have a great chin. He's hard to put away. Heavy forward pressure. He walks through shots to get in the pocket. And uh, that's why you have to go to the body against him. But when he gets fighters back towards the cage, he'll unload. And, you know, he's a dangerous guy. I mean, he has uh, 20 of his 23 wins. Or 20, 19 of his 22 wins are by knockout. And he's not a good grappler. You know, very bad uh, submission defense. He's been submitted a lot of times. His takedown defense uh, does not look very good. I mean, he could be taken down pretty easily. Um, I'm sure he's been working on that. I mean, he has to have been. That's obviously what he needs to be working on. Um... But, man, I mean, I don't know if he can close that gap. He's 35 years old. Off his back, he doesn't have much of anything. He seems lost, and he'll only just try to explode back to his feet, exposes his back. Um, we've seen guys like Charles Bird submit him very quickly. And, uh, I mean, he's been submitted five times. And his opponent, Kamzam Chimiev, I mean, he's going to be making his UFC debut on short notice here. He's a young guy. He's just 6-0. and But, um, man, I mean, I'm actually pretty impressed with this guy. He's finished all six of his wins. He's beaten fighters with good records, legit guys. He's not uh, padding his record or anything like that. And uh, he's moving back to 185 for this fight, but he's already fought there before. And he's a training partner of uh, Alex Gustafson. He's coming out of All-Stars Training Center. So getting a lot of good work there. He's six foot two, so he's you know going to have the height. He's tall, he's rangy, and he's good at using his jab, his low kicks to maintain distance. And he's usually uh, super aggressive. He'll close distance with one twos. Uh, nice one-two right hook combination, some decent kicks. He did drop uh, this Russian undefeated Russian that he fought with the jab, and then ultimately he knocked him out with a really nasty slip uppercut. But it's kind of hard to say truly how good Chimaev striking is because I haven't seen much of it. I mean, he's very aggressive, closing the distance with strikes and uh, working to get the fight to the mat. And that game plan will serve him well in this fight, but he does have three KOTKOs in his career. And uh, in the one fight he struck predominantly... He showed good things in that round and knocked the guy out. So, you know, good on him there. And he's a very good grappler. He's super aggressive on the mat. He's a, a Swedish national champion wrestler. And he was able to dominate, uh, you know, a college wrestler here um, in Sydney Wheeler and then uh, er, from the U.S. And then he do uh, beat a combat Timba world champion in uh, Ikram Alaskarov, who's a Russian, uh, Russian guy. And, uh, man, I mean, he's a beast on the ground. He has good body locks. Nice double legs in top position. I mean, he'll get to dominant positions, rain down thunderous shots. He's really good at trapping wrist, and when he gets to the back or the wrestling right position, um, he's in you're in trouble. I mean, he'll finish the fight from there. He's constantly uh, passing, changing positions, looking for openings to finish. And when he gets in top position, I mean, I feel this fight could be finished, you know, pretty quickly after that. You know, I've seen him choke more than one opponent unconscious and. He has three career submissions, and he's only made it out of the first round one time in his career. 
And that wasn't his last fight. He still looks full of energy. I mean, he still looks like a guy that I think he's going to have pretty good cardio. He looks like the real deal, man. I think Chimiev's going to win this fight. I expect him to get a takedown early, finish the fight in the first round. The only thing I'm worried about is this is 185. It's short notice. And he needs to take the power fill up seriously and be careful. I just think Kamzat is clear to the superior grappler. And I think he just needs one takedown to finish the fight. So I'm going with Chimaev, and I'm actually pretty confident he should get this win here. <laughs> and I feel like I'm saying this over and over, but up next another fight that was uh, you know, made on short notice. Modestos Bukaskis taking on Andreas uh, Michalatis. And uh, Modestos, uh, he's making his UFC debut here, six-fight winning streak. He was the guy that is going to have the training camp, so he's going to have that advantage. He was originally scheduled to face uh, Vinicius Moreira, but with Moreira testing positive for COVID, he now faces, uh, you know, Andreas Michalaitis. And Modestus, he's the Cage Warriors light heavyweight world champion. He's fought, you know, okay competition, but to be honest with you, I mean, in his fights that I watched, I just didn't really think those guys were very good. But he's a striker, and he's most confident when he can... Uh, you know, keep it on the feet and keep it at range. Wide stance, tries to fight long. Uses a lot of lateral movement, jabs, left hooks. Uh, nice straight right hand, good overhand right. He likes to uh, use the one-two jab overhand right, kind of pot shot from the outside. He'll throw some liver kicks, round kicks to the head. And he has a really nasty spinning back kick, so that's something that he's really good at. But he just isn't the most athletic or fast guy. And he has that hands-down style. He's relying on the in-and-out movement being quick. And at the higher levels with more explosive people that can close that distance, I just don't know if he's going to be successful at that. He'll throw naked kicks, he'll float his chin, and he's there to be countered. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, he just, I, I'm, I'm not really that impressed with him. He leaves his lead leg out there to get chewed up, and he does it pretty hard. He has 7 KOs and 10 wins, but I wouldn't say he has crazy power or anything. And he has been KOed one time in his career already. His uh, As a grappler, he really struggles. He isn't a good grappler, really bad takedown defense. He can be kind of flat-footed at times, uh, throw naked kicks that can get him taken down. When fighters get in on his hips, he gets taken down very easily. Uh, doesn't have good takedown defense, whether it's in the clinch, clinch against the cage, or uh, when fighters shoot in on him. And in his last match, um, you know, he did land some hard elbows to the side of, side of the head. Um, when his opponent went for the takedown and got the finish that way. But, um, you know, off his back, he just doesn't offer much. He'll look uh, to keep fighters in his guard, maybe throw some elbows, look for a ref stand-up. Um, doesn't really have good get-ups. And I think against uh, higher-level ground fighters, he's going to be in big trouble there. But, you know, he hardly ever wrestles, hardly looks to get in top position. And if he drops his opponent, he will finish with ground and pound. But, you know, that's really it. He has been submitted one time. He has a couple of rear naked chokes against low-level guys, and he does have very good cardio. That's probably the biggest thing about his game. Even after getting dominated for multiple rounds or getting dropped or getting just grappled up, he's still fresh enough to get late finishes in five-round fights. So that's something that you have to look at. But um, for his opponent here, Andreas, he's accepted the call on short notice, like I said. And, you know, he's won six of his last seven. He's fought some decent competition. And this is going to be his first fight at light heavyweight, though. He usually fights at 185. So he's going to be giving up some height, some reach, probably some weight here in the cage on fight night. And that makes me nervous because uh, Michaelitis, you know, he's gassed out pretty badly in fights where uh, he weighed in at 185. And he likes to get his work done early. He's finished 9 of his 12 wins in the first round. He's only 1-1 one one when fights go past the second round. And, um, you know, maybe if he's putting in that, putting on that weight, coming in here on short notice, who knows, um, you know, he might only have that one round of cardio in him. But he's a skilled fighter. He fights long. He's rangy. Crisp, snappy jab. He'll throw some long, straight punches. Really nasty kicks. Really nice low kicks, round kicks to the body, to the head. He'll throw spinning kicks. He's a pretty dynamic guy. I mean, in his fight with uh, Marcel Fortuna, who's, you know, went to the UFC and won a heavyweight. He dropped Fortuna with a spinning back kick to the head, finished him off with ground and pound. And he has good distance control, good defense when fresh. But after round one, he slows down and becomes much more hittable. And all three of his losses are TKOs after he gassed out. And he has seven KOs in his career, though. And he's the superior grappler in this fight. I mean, he has good level changes, uh, good double legs. On top, he's aggressive, uh, good passing ability, good ground and pound. 
And, uh, you know, when he gets to mount or to the back, he'll rain down big elbows, big punches. Isn't a big submission threat, but he does have four in his career. And uh, he's a finisher. He's finished all but one of his wins. This is an interesting fight because I feel Andreas is the better fighter. He's the better striker, better grappler. I think he's even more athletic, but he has a gassing issue. And he's coming up to 205 to face a fighter with good cardio, good finishing ability. And it makes Modesto's... You know, it makes me nervous that Modesto's going to get a finish here, even if uh, Andreas is looking good. Um, Andreas uh, could easily get taken out in the second or third round, but I'm going to say Andreas goes in here, gets a first-round finish. He's a big underdog, um, and I don't know. I just see him getting the takedown finishing on top, so I'm going to go with Andreas uh, Michaelitis actually to get the win here. And up next here, we got Aaron Phillips taking on Jack Shore. Jack Shore, um, you know, he's a highly touted prospect, and he was successful in his debut in the UFC, 24-fight win streak, and um, only 12-0 as a pro, but 12-0 as an amateur as well, and uh, nothing short of dominant. You know, he's finished his last four fights on the feet. He's, uh, you know, improving. He's light on his feet. He uh, bounces in and out. He likes to use the lateral movement, keep the distance. Nice jab, good one, too. Uh, he'll kind of... Uh, you know, try to use the jab or the one-two to pull counter. He slips and rips well. Good, accurate, straight right hand. And he has a nice uh, left hook as well. He'll double up with his lead hand by throwing double jabs or jab left hooks. And he'll occasionally throw uh, leg and oblique kicks. He has nice round kicks to the head. He likes to use front kicks up the middle. And, um, you know, he fights smart on the feet. He doesn't really overextend or throw many combinations. Doesn't engage in pocket fights. And he always keeps the fight at his pace and at, at distance and he's a disciplined fighter he does stand a little tall he isn't the most athletic or fast guy so you know therefore i think he has to be careful with the counter uh, straights the leg body kicks of phillips and um you know he has to respect the power he just isn't um you know a guy that's i don't think he wants to be on the feet that long with aaron phillips at range he's gonna want to close that distance and uh you know get it to the ground here but he does have four knockouts um, most from top position he's not really a big knockout threat on the feet he likes to mix it up i mean his wrestling allows him to duck under get easy takedowns he'll get trip takedowns in the clinch and when Shore gets top position he's very good he has great control um, passes dominant positions very heavy mount great back takes and when he gets that back he'll flatten opponents out throw ground and pound get uh, the rear naked chokes and uh, five rear naked choke victories. That's his strongest position. In his last match, the first takedown, um, you know, he earned. He quickly took the back and went for the rear naked choke and almost got it. And uh, Shore's takedown defense is pretty solid as well. In his last match, he showed good balance. He defended a single leg. And he's good at uh, using the Kimura to counter takedowns against the cage. Um, I have seen him taken down in a clinch in certain fights. He was tripped and taken down in one fight, he was hip thrown in a fight. But um, good composure. He has good butterfly guard. Um, hard to pass his guard. He'll use to scramble back to his feet or sweep to top position. Good get-ups against the cage. And overall, you know, he's a very strong, well-rounded grappler. Um, you know, he submitted another guy in his uh, UFC debut. And um, he's just someone that looks like he's going to be, um, you know, a guy that you can bet on. Because he's a smart fighter. He can win rounds with his style. And he can get finishes kind of by demoralizing guys and being smart he's not going to go in there and risk getting hit with a big shot he's not going to go in there and you know trade with somebody and get clipped or get off of his game plan he's going to go in there be methodical kind of like uh you know like the way Usman did yesterday that's the way that he's going to get his wins but he's a little bit you know more aggressive with his finishing uh you know on the ground so I like Jack Shore I think he's a good guy he's good cardio and, uh, you know, he's finished his last three fights in the third round. So that just shows that he wears on guys throughout the fight. And, um, you know, that's how he gets his finishes. And he's um, his opponent, Aaron Phillips, is stepping in on short notice. He's getting a stiff test here in Jack Shore. And he's won five fights in a row. But the level of competition has been very questionable. And he's had an interesting career because he made his, uh, you know, UFC debut all the way back in, uh, I think, 2003. Uh, 13 or 2012 and then uh, took about three years off came back and uh, lost to Chris Gutierrez in 2015 with a really nasty injury so you know he had to take three years off again returned in 2018 now has won five fights in a row and is getting the second UFC shot so props to Aaron Phillips for even 
being in this position again. I mean, that probably takes a lot of mental fortitude. And uh, he's a Muay Thai striker. He has uh, good straight punches down the middle, heavy kicks, uh, nice straight punch counters, fast hand speed. He'll throw some nice knees, heavy round kicks to the legs, body to the head. He'll stalk opponents, keeps them at the end of his shots well. And his style is very Muay Thai based, so he is flat-footed in the pocket and really doesn't have the best boxing defense. He is uh, rocked uh, with punches in certain fights. He's very hittable. And uh, I saw him hurt multiple times, almost finished in a recent fight against uh, Ariston Franca. And, um, you know, he does have power himself. He has six kills in, uh, in um, his 12, uh, 12 wins. And uh, he has uh, good head kicks. You know, his head kicks are pretty dangerous. And uh, he's only been finished by strikes once, but that was that injury. So, you know, he's really technically never been finished. Uh, on the feet he's not a very good grappler though in the clinch he does have nasty elbows and knees with his muay thai experience and he can hurt fighters there but his wrestling is lacking and he doesn't really have good takedown defense or jujitsu against low level guys since returning you know i've seen him you know i've seen them pass his guard fairly easily and you know win rounds by controlling him he does try to hit sweeps but just isn't very good on the ground he tends to get dominated on the mat and just kind of try to survive um, and, you know, he's good at, you know, surviving and then eventually getting a sweep or something and getting into a dominant position late in a fight when his opponent kind of beat him down and they're tired and then you'll get a late finish. So he's tough. He has good cardio and uh, he's only been submitted one time. But Jack Shore's going to win this fight, man. Unless Phillips gets a flash knockout, he's just way better on the ground and his striking is good enough. He closes his distance better. He has good footwork and he's just smoother. He also has the threat of the level change to keep his opponents honest. And I wouldn't mess around with the striking, though, because the body kicks from Phillips, I think, are available and they do worry me. And uh, Shore just isn't the most technical with the fa- with the hands. We saw him get countered a lot by Nolan Hernandez in his last fight. But he's a smart fighter. He's going to do what he has to do. He's going to wrestle hard here. He's a good prospect. And Phillips is not a UFC-level talent, in my opinion. Kudos to Phillips for taking this fight, for getting back to the UFC, but... I think Shore is going to take his back and strangle him. So I'm going to go with Jack Shore here. And I'm next year, I really like this fight. We got Ricardo Hamos taking on Leron Murphy. And uh, the first thing I'm going to say is I just don't really agree with the line. They got uh, Ricardo as a huge favorite, which I just disagree with completely because he's taking on a guy in Leron Murphy who's, uh, you know, already fought in Abu Dhabi before. So he's going to be uh, used to the conditions over there, maybe a little bit more used to the travel, things like that. And Leron Murphy was impressive in his UFC debut, man. I mean, I picked him to get the win. Didn't quite get the win, but he got a draw against Zubair Tuhugov, who's, you know, a borderline top 15 opponent. And uh, he's huge. He's one of the biggest uh, 145ers in the division. I mean, he's a gigantic guy. And, uh, you know, maybe with the height and the reach, he's not going to have a big advantage over Ricardo Hamos. But the frame, just his size, his back, his arms, I mean, he's a way bigger guy than Hamos. And... You know, on the feet, he's super explosive. He's pretty dynamic. Really nice hands. Uh, pool countering ability. He's super aggressive. He walks guys down. And uh, he kind of reminds me of Sadiq Yusuf a little bit where on the feet, I think he, you know, isn't quite as good. But, uh, you know, he's just a guy that's super explosive, super athletic, closes distance, has big one-punch power, good boxing combinations, decent kicks, and could take a shot and keep coming forward. And has the cardio to just keep pressing and pressing on guys and breaking them and eventually taking them out with the power and uh you know he showed that you know he's uh you know very durable he got dropped by Zubara, came back and uh recovered very well from that and on the ground i mean leron murphy isn't someone that's going to take you down or anything like that he's not a grappler but his takedown defense is very good his get-ups are very good and when he can get top position, you know, through a scramble or if his opponent is really tired or he gets dropped or something like that, he can finish the fight in top position. I mean, he'll rain down ground and pound, um, you know, and he's a big, huge guy for the division. And for Hamos, you know, I think Hamos' path to victory here is to get the takedowns, try to uh, get a submission here because he is going to be a lot better on the ground. He's pretty dynamic. He's a black belt. And if he could take the back, something like that, against Ron Murphy, especially early on when they're dry in the fight, then he's going to have a chance to, uh, you know, get a submission win very early and, uh, you know, look very good here. 
But on the feet, Hummels is pretty dynamic himself. He's probably going to be the faster guy. And, um, you know, he, he hits pretty hard. He has good kicks, good punches. And, uh, you know, he moves around well. But I just feel like he has to get it to the ground here because I think that the power difference is going to be evident. And I don't think that, you know, LeBron is going to respect Hamosh's power too much. I think he's going to be walking him down. And I don't think uh, Hamosh is going to like that pressure from Murphy. I think if it stays on the feet, I think Murphy may be even able to get him out of there. So I think Hamosh is really going to have to grapple real hard early on in the fight, try to take the back at the finish. Because I think if uh, LeBron starts to get his confidence, starts to get the timing on when Hamosh is going for those takedowns, he's a very live underdog here. And, um, I mean, I think, uh, man, I'm going to go with, this is a tough fight for me to call. I'm going to go with LeRon Murphy. I'm going to go with LeRon Murphy. I'm going to pick him to get the win here. I think that he's going to be able to get a decision or get a finish in the later rounds. I think he's going to be able to whether uh, he stops all the takedowns or is able to, you know, get back to his feet, deny some submission attempts in the first round from Hamosh. I think he'll be able to wear on Hamosh with that forward pressure with his, you know, just his body attack with his strikes. And I think that... Uh, he may be able to get a late finisher decision win. So I'm going to go with LeRon Murphy to get his first UFC win here. But um, this is a close fight. So I could see Hamosh getting a submission. But I'm going with LeRon Murphy. And uh, I'm next sure we got the first woman's fight on the card. We got Deanna Belbita taking on Liana Jojua. And, um, you know, Deanna Belbita, she dropped her debut uh, to Molly McCann. And she kind of got dominated in that fight. But she had her moments. And uh, she's very tough. She comes forward. She's a pressure fighter. And, um, you know, she likes to mix it up, force a brawl, throw a nice one-twos, jab overhand, jab hooks, nice uppercuts, nice low kicks, heavy round and front kicks to the body. And she's the bigger girl here with the bigger reach advantage also. I think she's going to be uh, much more athletic. She's tough. She's durable. She's a dog. And she has six knockouts in her career. So she hits hard. She was actually, you know, winning some exchanges early on and late in that fight against Molly McCann on the feet. And uh, she was giving McCann problems on the feet. And uh, she's never been finished by strikes. And she's strong in the clinch. She's a judo champion. Heavy hips. And she uses her height to her advantage. She comes over the top with the elbows. Nice knees. And uh, she struggles with takedown shots on the legs. She can be taken out much easier with double legs. Single legs. Thing like that. But she isn't the worst off her back. She has good get ups. And Molly McCann was very dogged in their matchups. And ultimately got to dominant positions. Almost took Deanna out, but Deanna showed a lot of toughness to survive. Um, but she did take a lot of punishment there. She will look for takedowns of her own in the clinch, and she's pretty good and dangerous on top. She throws big elbows, punches on the ground. She'll posture up and finish. And uh, throughout her career, you know, she's had trouble submission defense, though. She'll leave her arms inside in uh, fighter's guard. She's been guillotined, and she's been submitted three times. She's an aggressive fighter on the ground. She has four submissions, some ground and pound finishes. And she's the more dangerous fighter in this matchup. Her cardio is good. She has the experience, experience advantage. And we'll see if she can use that experience to get the win here. But Joe Jua, you know, she had a rough first outing in the UFC. She was a decent favorite. She was trying to get a favorable matchup uh, in the UFC's eyes in Sarah Morass. And unfortunately for her, she dropped the ball. And she actually got finished in the third round. And it was a terrible performance. I mean, she has to come in here and redeem herself because... I'm not really impressed with Joju striking. I did, it did look a bit improved in her last fight, and she was throwing some nice one twos. She was throwing a straight right hand to the body to a left hook to the head, and her overhand right was landing, and she was having success. She doesn't throw many kicks or uh, much of anything besides that, though. She does keep heavy pressure, keeps him on the back foot, and she's pretty good composure. She looks durable, and she's just stiff though. She's very hittable. She doesn't move her head. She's there to be just teed off on. She was TKO'd on the ground uh, in her last fight, and uh, her stand-up just isn't very dangerous. She just has one TKO. Her grappling to me is average. I mean, she got dominated in the clinch in her last fight. Morass was able to get her to the cage, control her, land nice knees. She did defend takedowns well and got a couple takedowns of her own, and she'll use punches to get in, duck under for doubles. She'll get some clinch takedowns, and she has no problem pulling guard, and she's a leg lock girl. She's always hunting for the legs, the 50-50 position. And uh, she's good at uh, sweeping with those, getting the finish. And she has nice arm bars off her back as well. She did shoot a very sloppy takedown in her last fight, gave her back, and got finished. Uh, and in top position, you know, she's shown good ground and pound. 
She'll get the side control, get the crucifix position, and you know she has five submissions, so that's gonna be her path to victory here. But I'm gonna go with Bobita. I just think she's the better striker. She's the better athlete. She should be able to deny the takedown attempts, dominate the clinch, stay safe. And if she does get taken down, I don't have super high confidence because maybe JoJo will look better, hit takedowns, and win the fight. Um, or maybe even Belbito will take her down and get submitted. But I'm going to bake on the bigger girl with the better striking to fight. Um, you know, to win by landing the bigger strikes, by bossing the fight, by pushing JoJo backwards, dominating the clinch. And um, I think Belbito should get it done here. And uh, I'm next to her, Tyler Santos taking on Molly McCann. And Santos, she's looking for a different result. She, you know, dropped her first fight in the UFC by split decision. But previous to that, she was 15-0. And when you look deeper, though, into that record, it was very padded. I mean, she really only faced three fighters of note in her entire career. And this will be the first fight for her in well over a year. She's coming off an injury. On the feet, Santos is a technical striker. She has heavy kicks. A good jab. She'll throw heavy low kicks. Really nasty front and round kicks to the body. Good high kicks. She'll throw a jab low kick combinations. And she's going to have to stay long. Use her reach here. She has fast hands. She'll shoot the 1-2 body head very effectively. She'll throw a long slapping left hooks. And she has good pull counters, counter hooks. She uh, throws nice body shots. She's not that good defensively though. And she's pretty flat footed. She doesn't move her head that much. And when she gets hit, she backs up and doesn't really like it. She is a power uh, hitter, though. She has 10 KO TKOs in her 15 wins. But her last fight kind of exposed her a little bit. Um, she is strong in the clinch offensively. Good head positioning, knees to the legs, to the body, good control. She'll hit some clinch takedowns. Good at taking the back from standing. The issue is Santos is flat-footed. And when she's pressured, um, she'll try to strike while backing up in a straight line. And that makes her very easy to get inside on for people to clinch her up against the cage and she seems to not be good at blending it together i mean brella would just come forward with the flurry of shots solely to close the distance and it seemed like santos didn't really understand that until the third round when she adjusted she was able to easily deny the entries and she dominated that third round but she just wasn't on for that fight early and you know it's most evident to me in the second round you know the ref broke the clinch against the cage and brella was ready to go and santos was like standing there fixing her shorts the ref said go and Brella just clinched up against the cage again and she didn't even move and it was like if her brain wasn't it was like your brain wasn't fully on and firing in there that night and you know I haven't seen many girls take down Santos with shots from the outside though but I do feel she probably can get taken down by them if they're set up by punches I just think right now she just hasn't shown the ability to mix her skills I think if a girl comes forward with a combination ducks under for a double she probably won't be ready to defend that. Um, she's going to have to improve her footwork a bit, you know, up the volume, the forward pressure, um, you know, but keep it at her range even with the pressure. And she needs to either, you know, land and get out or pot shot. And, uh, you know, she can't be so static. You know, she, she can't just stand there. She has pretty good get-ups when taken down. I don't think McCann will be able to dominate her, but uh, she needs to avoid getting held against the cage or taken down multiple times. She does have two submissions in her last fight. She did lose by getting held against the cage, though. And she needs to get um, going off the bat here, get firing a little bit earlier. Her cardio is good. She's going to have the striking advantage. And Molly McCann, you know, she's righted the ship. You know, she lost her UFC debut, but she's ran off three consecutive wins. And she's close to the rankings now. Her personality, you know, has helped her grow her fan base. And I could see her getting a marquee fight with a victory here. She still isn't really that good in my opinion. I mean, she's just fighting bottom of the barrel opponents. As a striker, she's okay. I mean, she's small for the weight class and it's um she's usually at a height and reach disadvantage and due to that, she likes to use a lot of movement on the outside, try to dart in, dart out of range with strikes and she can struggle to find her range at times. Her boxing isn't bad. You know, she has a good jab, good straight right hand. She'll throw a lot of feints to set up her shots. She has a good left hook, straight right. She loves throwing the left hook and using that shot early and often. And she'll close the distance with straights, hooks to the body. And she's willing to throw down brawl in the pocket. She can get sloppy. She doesn't really have the best defense. And she isn't the best kicker, but she will work low kicks. She'll mix in some front kicks, round kicks to the body. And she likes to throw spinning back fists, a lot of spinning attacks. She's willing to take one to, to give one, throw down. I mean, she's a firecracker in there. Um, she tends to run into punches though and on the feet in this fight I see her struggling a little bit she isn't a power puncher she's going to be at a power disadvantage a big range disadvantage 
and Santos is you know just the more technical striker. McCann is durable. Um, you know she has four KOs in her career as well. She hits pretty hard, and um, you know she continued to show her evolution in her grappling her last time out. She was able to dominate on the ground, and she almost got her opponent out of there. You know she does a good job of uh, using a flurry or feints to enter into double legs. And she was dominant in the clinch in the last fight. She got that head and arm position from stand uh, from standing and used that for multiple takedowns. And uh, she's getting better in the scramble. She was able to take Belbita's back, almost finished her with punches. She still isn't a lead on the mat or anything, but she's getting better at blending her skills and her wrestling specifically. And when she gets in on the hip, she's pretty strong. She's explosive. The issue is sometimes McCann can struggle to set up her takedowns or get in a range to shoot them. And she shoots him way too far out. Just, you know, in this fight, I think she needs a heavy dose of wrestling and cage control to win. She hasn't been submitted since her loss to Jillian Robertson, and she's still in search of her first career submission. So she hasn't been able to show her ability to, uh, you know, submit in fights yet. She does have uh, a lot of output, good cardio. She has slowed down in third rounds before, but she keeps a good work rate up and kind of has a good poker face with that. And this is honestly a hard fight for me to call. I'm seeing a lot of confidence in McCann, and I could see why, but I'm just not that sold on Molly yet. I don't think she looked particularly good versus either Lipsky or Belbita. And Santos, I think she's more athletic and a little better overall than those girls. She hasn't faced great competition, but she's, you know, athletic. She hits hard. She has decent grappling in the clinch, and she's going to be the superior striker in the fight. Her reach advantage should cause some issues for McCann. And uh, she's going to struggle, though, if McCann can pressure and impose her grappling. I think Molly will probably be able to have success on the feet after she gets Santos guessing. And uh, it'll just make things easier for her. If Santos is stuffing the early takedowns, it could be a long night for Molly. But I'm going to have to pick McCann here. She's been the more active girl. She's been fighting more. I think she's probably the girl who will push harder, who will throw more output. She should get the win, but I just don't share that big confidence that other people do in Molly McCann. But uh, I'm going to pick her here. And I'm next with this fight. This fight kind of got put up put up here out of nowhere. But I'm really glad that it did. Because, shit, man, this is probably the second best fight on the card by far. Jimmy Rivera, Cody Stamen. Two top ten guys in the Bantamweight division. And it's interesting here because they're going to be fighting up at featherweight again. Which I kind of feel um, maybe gives an advantage to Jimmy Rivera. Because Jimmy Rivera is the older guy that... Well, they're pretty similar in age, actually. But... Jimmy Rivera, I feel like, is the guy that maybe will struggle a little bit more with the weight cut to 35s. And, uh, you know, he's had a problem with his chin also. So maybe that um, having the fight at 45 will help him a little bit. But he's making his return after a year away. He suffered a couple injuries. He's coming off two losses in a row. And this is a make-or-break fight for him. I mean, I think he even said that he had uh, COVID too. So, I mean, he's been going through some things. But... I mean, he's looking like he may be on the way out. I mean, he's 31 years old. His chin is failing him a little bit. And um, I will say, though, his last fight with Peter Young was pretty awesome. And Cody Stamen, I mean, he's looking to keep the ball rolling here. He had that emotional decision win over Brian Kelleher where, you know, he uh, dedicated the win to his brother and all that. And he carved a niche out for himself in the UFC now. He's 5-1-1, one, and, one, and he's hovering around that title picture. I mean, if you can beat Jimmy Rivera, you're probably a top-five guy. And that's what Stamen's going to be trying to prove here. You know, Stamen, I feel like it's one of these guys that's been underestimated a lot in, the, in throughout his UFC run. He's been a guy that a lot of people don't really, you know, talk about when they're talking about guys that can compete for that belt or be future contenders. But um, if he can win this fight, he can position himself here and get that respect probably that he's been wanting. But when you look at it, Cody Stamen to me is kind of a, he's a poor man's version of Alex Volkanovski. He doesn't have uh, the amount of power in his hands or the footwork and you know, he isn't as good with the feints, and I don't think he's as athletic, but he's much more wrestling-centric with it. He still tends to use a ton of, uh, you know, fakes, feints, movement. He throws some a lot of low kicks, and he'll try to pull fighters into takedowns with his feints, with his forward pressure. In his last fights, I will, uh, his last fight, I will say his hands look the best we've ever seen. I mean, he showed an improved jab, and he kept a really high output out there. He was touching punches. He was attacking the body well. And he even sat down on some one two, some hooks. He looked a little meaner there in his fight with Kelleher. But, you know, Kelleher is a guy that gets hit a lot. In this fight, I definitely think his striking won't be able to be enough. I think he's going to have to mix it up because, you know, Jimmy Rivera, I mean, the boxing, the low kicks from Jimmy are elite, man. He has really good boxing, really good low kicks. 
And it's interesting, too, because in Cody Stamen's fight with Alejandro Perez, um, he struggled with a fighter who can box, who can move, who could cut angles and use footwork. And Jimmy Rivera has that and more in comparison to Perez. And Rivera has a 95% takedown defense in the UFC. In nine UFC fights, he's been taken down one time. Um, I mean, on the feet, when you look at it, I mean, Jimmy's hands are going to be way faster, way more crisp. I mean, he has really powerful straights, really powerful hooks, phenomenal hand speed, man. He has some of the fastest hands in the division. Great timing on his uh, straight left to right hook combination. Really nasty low kicks, nasty straight right hand down the middle, really no tell with it. He, he keeps his hands low and does a great job of countering while stepping back with the jabs with the check left hooks. He likes to throw uh, inside leg kicks to left hook combinations. And I just think, uh, you know, he's very diligent about moving his head, faking, feigning, uh, cutting angles, making himself hard to hit. And he does a great job of waiting until you get into range and being able to just explode, go first with a combination. And he can get over aggressive when he hurts you, sometimes get wild, get wide. And he has gotten dropped due to that quite a few times in his, in his UFC career. Um, he also has a tendency to admire his work a little bit. He'll just stand there, get hit when he should be exiting. But, uh, man, I mean, he's a smart, sound fighter. And uh, I just feel like he's better than uh, Cody Stamen on the feet, a lot better. And his takedown defense is 95%. He's a, he's a big, like, burly, short guy that's going to be hard for Cody, I think, to just take down or to control him. But Rivera has lost three or four. You have to wonder where his head at, where his head is at, where his chin is at. I'm going to go with Jimmy Rivera here. I think it's a make-or-break fight for him. I think he needs the win, and I think it's a good matchup for him. So I'm going to pick Rivera, but would not be surprised at all to see uh, Cody Stamen go in here and get it done. And uh, up next here we got a another featherweight fight with uh, Jared Gordon taking on Chris Fishgold. And Jared Gordon, he's making the drop back down to 145. He had a 1-3 run at lightweight in the UFC. And he's been knocked out bad in two of his last three fights. And he just has not looked good. And he's made a lot of changes coming in this fight. Not only is he moving back to 145 pounds, but he's also switched gyms. He's training at Sanford MMA, which is uh, the Black Zillions, the uh, Combat Club. They have so many names. But uh, it's uh, you know that great gym out there in South Florida. And Jared Gordon is a striker. He's not bad. Um, his striking you know, is just forward pressure. He's always walking his opponents down, tries to stalk him towards the cage. And a nice jab, good left hook, and a good straight right hand. He does a good job of feigning level changes and then blasting that straight right hand. He'll throw some straight punches in combination to close the distance. He has a decent body kick. His defense is not good, though. He holds his hands low, very hittable. Kind of relies on his chin to get inside. And the issue is he's been knocked out badly in two of his last three fights, and his chin may be gone, so it's just hard to trust that. Gordon has been finished by KO in all of his losses. Six KO TKOs himself. And he's a good wrestler. He will use his punches to set up double legs. Does a good job of uh, using the double to push his opponents to the cage. Chain it to a single. And he's strong in the clinch. Nice short punches, elbows. Good job of ducking under, landing doubles. And on top, he has a you know, good guard, good control. He likes to get into half guard, posture up, throw elbows, throw punches. And uh, he's active with this ground and pound. Does a lot of damage. Uh, good top pressure, good job of staying out of opponent's guards, raining down shots. And he likes to uh, get to side control or get to the crucifix. Good cardio. And he doesn't slow down much. He has two submissions, never been finished by strike or by submission himself. So on the ground, you know, he has shown to be a pretty good guy there. And Fishgold, you know, he's set to return to the octagon. He's had almost a year off here. And uh, he's coming off a loss to Makwani Mirakani. Only one and two so far in his career, but he's fought two guys that are probably in the top 15 and Fishgold you know he's a super aggressive fighter he keeps a crazy pace and on the feet he's pretty explosive he has a wide stance decent jab straights uh, powerful hooks overhands uppercuts and you'll throw a heavy dose of uh, low leg kicks he'll blitz in with straight punches overhands hooks and he gauges distance pretty well he has decent head movement he's hard to hit he'll slip and come over the top with hooks on the feet, you'll probably have an advantage early on. He needs to try to push uh, the gas, get Gordon out of there if he sees the opportunity. But uh, try to kind of, you know, uh, make sure that he, he paces himself so he can keep it for three rounds. But he's a good grappler. He likes to close the distance with overhands or straight punches. He likes to get the single collar and, uh, you know, work from there. He has a good double jab, straight right hand. He's strong there. He bullies fighters to the cage or to the ground in the clinch. 
And he has a decent level changes, good singles, good doubles. And he's pretty relentless. He likes to shoot takedowns, you know, really early in fights and keep shooting them throughout the whole fight. And he's very dangerous uh, with chokes. He can get him even from standing position. He'll clamp onto the neck and uh, jump on a guillotine. He loves to uh, jump to the back standing and, and uh, you know, he takes the back on the ground a lot very well. And he's a very aggressive passer. Submission over position, guys. Top control isn't the greatest. I mean, we saw in his match with Daniel Tamer. Tamer was able to reverse, get top position, rain down some shots. And Fishgold is pretty dangerous from inside his guard. I mean, he will attack triangles, arm bars, go for leg locks. And he's good at catching the neck and scrambles. His get-up game is not bad. And I mean, he was close to submitting Makwan Americani with a guillotine. He did pull guard with a guillotine, which I didn't like to see. And Makwan was able to take advantage of that. When he got on top, he locked in the Anaconda and he finished Fishgold off. And that was the first submission loss of his career for Fishgold. Fishgold does have 13 submissions of his own. His cardio is a question mark, but it did look improved in his last fight. And this is a pretty close fight. I'm actually going to go with Chris Fishgold here. I just feel like he's more athletic. He's more explosive. On the feet, he probably will be able to win the exchanges. Gordon's offense predominantly comes from uh, that straight right hand. And Fishgold is pretty good at you know, slipping that shot. I think as far as the grappling goes, Fishgold is the better, more dangerous grappler. The way Gordon will win is if Fishgold gets tired and he just stays consistent, stays solid, and pushes for that late finish or decision win. I just think Fishgold is going to be able to hold up cardio-wise. His performance against Makwan was good. I mean, he stuffed the majority of the takedowns. He had good grappling exchanges with uh, someone like Makwan, who's a beast on the mat. And I just feel Fishgold is the better fighter here, and he'll probably get it done, but Another low confidence pick, but it's going to be Chris Fishgold for the win. And I'm not sure this fight is a you know, low-key good fight. This could be a banger on the card. Abdur Zaka Hassan taking on uh, Manur Laziz. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but Abdur Razak, you know, he's making a long-awaited return. You know, he's had some issues outside the octagon. Uh, you know, he's been exonerated of that, so I don't really want to get into it. But the last time he fought, we or the last time we saw him fight was in November of 2018. He was uh, knocking out Nico Price in less than a minute, so... You know, the last time we saw him, he was looking awesome in there. And, you know, Alisson is ruthless aggression personified, man. All 10 of his victories are first-shot knockouts. Six of his wins are lasting less than one minute. And he goes in there, explodes, and uh, gets out. I mean, he's supremely athletic. He's powerful. Very wild. I mean, you'll quickly look to back his opponents up, throw jab overhand rights. Good in and out movement. Very fast, closing the distance. He'll explode in with these brutal straights and uppercuts. And he likes to switch it up between the overhand right, the uppercut. Um, you know, he'll switch stances on the outside. He has uh, thudding low kicks. He'll sometimes throw some high kicks. And inside, Razak is nasty. I mean, he has one-punch power. Even in close range, he'll find tricky uppercuts. And he has nice, tight left hook. He'll try to force punish to brawl with them, make fights wars. And in those exchanges, Al Hassan is just faster. He's more powerful. And it's a dangerous game to trade with the... Uh, um, Alessandro, like Daniel Cormier was saying, I mean, all 10 of his wins, he's uh, taking guys' lights out. And Alessandro, you know, he's a strong judo background, so he's going to be the better grappler here, but I doubt he goes for many takedowns. I mean, he has heavy hips, good uh, clinch takedowns, super hard to hold down. His takedown defense, you know, didn't look very good in certain fights, uh, but, you know, he isn't going to have to worry about someone taking him down here. And it's going to be interesting how he looks after the layoff being 34 years old, but should be ready to go and for um laziz you know he's gonna be making his ufc debut he's nine and one and he fights out of dubai so i mean he's gonna have a big advantage in terms of the travel things like that and he looks like a skilled striker he's tall he's long he's rangy fast hands really good jab he'll double triple up on the jab and he likes to touch with the lead hand whether it's the jab or the left hook and then follow with the straight or the overhand right nice lead uppercuts He'll throw heavy wide hooks and he's good at staying long with his punches when he goes forward he's okay at blocking and returning uh you know slipping and returning into the pocket and he has fast hands very accurate strong kicks as well heavy round kicks to the legs to the body to the head he'll disguise his head kicks behind punches and you know he changes the speed of his punches and he'll throw some question mark kicks spinning kicks he has some nasty step in knees very good standing elbows Decent footwork, but doesn't really react to pressure the best, and he does stand tall when fighters get inside his reach. He's kind of there to be hit. He doesn't really move his head, and he really relies on his chin. I mean, he has a really good chin. He'll eat flush shots to give his own, and he's susceptible to body shots as well, so 
I mean, being hittable against a guy like Al or Alzaka Alasan is not a good thing to be. But um, you know, he's knocked out eight of his ten opponents himself, so he's a dangerous guy. And um, you know, he doesn't really have the greatest uh, grappling. His offensive wrestling is improving. I mean, he will shoot some single legs, and we can backfighters to the cage. He has decent trips in the clinch. On top, he isn't that dangerous. Doesn't really have the best controls. Takedown defense is not good either. He can be taken down, held down. He will work back to his feet and kind of, uh, you know, try to attack right away. He tries to tire fighters out by forcing them to take him down over and over and over and keep getting up. And he has very good cardio. He's going to have a favorable matchup in this fight in terms of someone that just wants to strike with him most likely. So it's going to be a striker fight. And this is an interesting fight. I completely disagree with the line. You know, I think Laziz is a lot more... Uh, live than that he could easily get a knockout here he's a long rangey fighter good technical striking and you know he sets traps he's gonna have the reach and he needs to avoid getting backed up use his footwork the jab control the center we've seen guys like Sabah Hamasi drop out Hassan. I feel like Laziz is the is the much better striker than Hamasi I mean he can't get overzealous looking for the finish or coming in and he can't brawl and he has a good chance to win I mean Al Hassan really isn't super technical. He's just a freak athlete, crazy speed, athleticism, natural power, and uh, he's gonna have a grappling advantage. The level of competition um, kind of does worry me though. This is the best striker that Al Hassan has ever faced, and uh, I'm gonna take the smart pick. I'm gonna go with Al Hassan. I think Laziz will have too much faith in his chin, leave his head on center line and get knocked out. But man, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see. Uh, you know, Abdul Razak get knocked out here, flash KO'd something by Laziz, and uh, I think the line should be a lot closer. I mean, I think it should probably be like maybe Abdul Razak like minus 170. So, you know, I think there's some value there on Manur, but I'm going to go with um, Abdul Razak Hassan to get a first shot knockout again. <laughs> and I'm next on this one, even though it's the co-main event. Uh, not going to spend a lot of time on it because really don't care about this fight, don't have a great read on it. And, you know, Tim Elliott, I mean, looking to get back on the horse, he had that really disappointing performance against Brandon Roy Val, where gassed out badly and got finished in the second round. I'm kind of surprised Elliott's getting another shot here. He has three straight losses, 33 years old. And, I mean, the fact this is a co-main event is crazy, but uh, he's facing Ryan Benoit, who hasn't won a fight in the UFC since 2017. He returned to, off a two-year layoff last December, lost a split decision to Healy Alatang. And he's been trading wins and losses in his UFC career since 2013, so he may be due for a win here. And um, looking at the fight, though, I mean, the thing about it is Ryan Benoit, he struggled with wrestlers, man. I mean, Freddie Serrano, who's not even, you know, he has no striking really at all. He was able to take down Ryan Benoit a lot of times. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Healy Alatang take down Benoit multiple times. We've seen uh, Brandon Moreno take down Benoit multiple times. But, you know, the thing is Benoit does get back up and he's very aggressive on the feet. And he has that he has one-punch knockout power with his hands and in the kicks. So on the feet, whenever they're at range, Tim Elliott is going to be in trouble. And I think Benoit is going to be lighting him on fire with those low kicks, with the straight punches, with the kicks up the middle, um, to the body, to the head. And I think that Elliott is going to really have to grapple heavy in this fight. And, um, I mean, I'm sure he probably is embarrassed about that last performance he had where he gassed out. So maybe his cardio is going to be up to notch here and he'll be able to grind out Ryan Benoit and uh, just win a, win a decision that way or maybe even get a submission on Benoit. But uh, I don't know, man. I just can't I can't bring myself to pick Tim Elliott. Um, since he came back in 2019, you know, he had that layoff where I don't know what happened exactly. But uh, I think he had like knee issues. Something happened where he had an injury. But uh, he came back. He fought Figueredo. He fought Askar Askarov. And he fought Roy Val. I mean, incrementally, I think he's looking a lot worse in all these fights. And, you know, he hasn't won a fight since 2017 either. So both these guys are like, they haven't won fights in like three years. Um, I will say, you know, I think that, you know, Ryan Benoit looked good in his last fight. He was really explosive in the first round and he gassed out. And uh, that was at 135. So maybe that, you know, he has to pull the weight. He has to come down to 25. So he has to work a little harder. Maybe that'll be, you know, a positive for him if he's working harder in camp. Or it could be a detriment to his weight cut. But I don't know, man. Uh, I'm going to pick Benoit to win by TKO. And uh, up next, we got an awesome fight. You know, two up-and-coming guys. Two guys that, you know, um, have been a little bit underlooked throughout the years in the division. 
Calvin Cater, Dan Ige. And now they're finally getting their shine here. They're in the main event. This is going to be the second main event for Calvin Cater. Actually, first main event for Dan Ige. But the first five-round fight in the UFC for both guys. And, uh, you know, they're both coming off, you know, arguably the biggest wins of their career where Calvin Cater got that, you know, nasty elbow knockout victory over uh, a veteran in Jeremy Stevens. Dan Ige got that controversial win but showed a lot of, you know, grittiness, just, uh, you know, consistency. You know, he's a... He's a guy that's very steady in there, you know. He's a very steady guy. You're not going to get him out of there, you know. He's 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 a beast, you know, uh, and he was able to take out Edson Barbosa. And, um, man, I mean, this is an interesting fight because I feel like both these guys are coming back a little quick, man. I mean, Calvin Cater, yeah, I mean, he didn't take as much damage as Dan Ige, but I do, he broke his nose in that fight against Jeremy Stevens. And... Um, you know, Dan Ige, man, I mean, he got dropped two times, I believe. He got hurt to the body. He got hit with a big ground and pound. I mean, he took a lot of damage in that fight with Edson Barbosa, and he's coming back even quicker than Calvin Cater is coming back. So I think that could potentially, you know, be a bad idea for Dan Ige taking on a guy that's, you know, so slick with the boxing. You know, I think that at range, when they're at range, they're at, especially when they're at boxing range, I mean, Calvin is going to have a big height advantage. I think that, you know, Dan Ige is going to have to be able to get inside, use low kicks to break the rhythm, try to, you know, land some big hooks over the top, and then try to grapple heavy, because I think that that jab, the straight punches of, uh, you know, Cater are just going to be popping him, and I think that, you know, Cater is just really good with the distance control, he's one of the best distance control guys with the boxing in, in the UFC, and I mean, his overhand right is nasty. His left hook is really good. He has a really good rear uppercut. He'll rip to the body. And he's just very accurate. I mean, when he finds his range, he puts his his punches together, puts your lights out. We saw that when he did that to Shane Burgos. And uh, I mean, man, I mean, he's dangerous. He has eight KO TKOs, or nine KO TKOs, I believe, and uh, three in the UFC. And he's taken out guys that are super durable, like Jeremy Stevens, like Shane Burgos. So... That shows that, you know, he's throwing with heat and he's throwing with precision. You know, precision beats power, and that's how he takes these guys out. And uh, Dan Ige, though, I mean, Dan Ige is going to have some advantages here as well, or perceived advantages right on the ground. So what he needs to do, you know, is just stay durable, stay in there like he always does. You know, push Dan, uh, Calvin Cater on the feet, try to push him back with his forward pressure, try to get inside his range. Like I said, try to use low kicks and... Uh, just try to uh, outbox him inside, land some nice counters. I mean, Dan Ige is actually pretty good at slipping straight punches. He can see those shots coming fairly well, and I think that's going to be you know a benefit to him. I think his counters are a little bit underrated, so I could see him having success on the feet. We saw, you know, when uh, you know Calvin Cater fought a guy in Chris Fishgold who is able to strike and grapple and mix it up, and was threatening the level changes like Dan Ige does. He was hitting Calvin Cater a little bit with some overhands, with some hooks. He was causing him some issues, and I think he even got a takedown, but Cater was able to stand back up and kind of dominate the fight after that and eventually got the finish uh, after uh, Fishgold gassed out. But, you know, it, it makes it interesting because we haven't really seen Calvin's grappling tested. We haven't seen him on the mat with the guy that's really like a, an elite grappler for that extended period of time or when, after he's tired or after something happens. So, you know... Uh, Ige has some ways to win, but I just think that, you know, Calvin Cater's, you know, going to be the bigger guy in there. He's more athletic. He hits harder, and he's just, the fight started on the feet. He's a way better boxer, and I think his wrestling is underrated. I mean, he has good offensive wrestling, good defensive wrestling, and Dan Ige's wrestling isn't like it's, it's elite wrestling, and uh, both guys have the gas tank to go. I mean, we saw Calvin Cater versus the beat in the third round. He was putting it on him, and, uh, you know, he was one in those two more rounds. I don't think he's going to be a guy that gasses out. And Dan Ige is a guy that, you know, um, has been, you know, crying to get a five-round fight, begging to get a five-round fight. So, you know, he has to prove himself in these later rounds and uh, see if he can, you know, finally get a, you know, another, not finally get, because that win over Barbosa was a big marquee win, good win over Bactic. But those wins are a little bit, I mean, the Bectic win, it was a split, but I thought he clearly won that fight. But the Edson win, I mean, a lot of people aren't really giving him a lot of credit for that because they thought Edson won. So I think he, if he can go in here and get a submission or, you know, tire on Calvin, uh, wear him down with the forward pressure with the grappling heavy game plan and maybe like third, fourth, fifth round, take him out, that'll be a huge statement. But, uh, 
I mean, Calvin Cater's the big favorite for a reason. I think that, you know, the main thing that I'm thinking, man, is Danny just took a lot of damage when he fought Edson, and I think that Calvin hits hard. He's going to be able to land a shot and probably take him out, man. I think that Ige came back too early. I think even if they fought with Ige having the rest, having a good training camp, everything like that, I still would favor Calvin because of the distance control and the boxing. I mean, we've seen Julio Arce really, you know, outbox Danny Ige, and he's improved a lot. Edson Barbosa was outboxing him. He was dropping him with the hands, with the elbows. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just got to go with Calvin Cater. I think that he'll probably be able to get him out of there. But I think the line could be a little bit closer. I mean, I don't know why uh, he'd be a warranted, like, 3-1 to one favorite. But, um, you know, I think Calvin Cater is the smart pick, and I'm going to pick Calvin Cater to get the win. And um, as far as a parlay on the week for this card, I mean, it's a little bit difficult because there's a lot of juiced favorites. But, um... I'm going to say, you know, a parlay that I would do maybe is uh, Deanna Belbita, Jack Shore, and uh, Chimaev, just so you can get some plus money on that, because if you just did Jack Shore and Chimaev, I mean, that's not a uh, very high return there, so uh, my most confident pick is going to be Jack Shore, I mean, I just don't see how he's going to lose the fight, I think he's definitely going to get the win there, so yeah, guys, thanks for watching, like I said, I'll be putting out that other video uh, later on in the week, so you know, uh, let's hopefully win another parlay here. Let's get in. Let's uh, have some fun watching these fights in the middle of the week. Uh, these midweek cards are a lot of fun. So, yeah, let's have some fun. And uh, actually, uh, real quick, on Tuesday, we're going to be doing another Odds HQ breakdown. So, yeah, uh, they uh, they liked us. They wanted us on another video during the week now. So make sure to come check out that as well. You know, it's real cool having uh, someone that's, you know, sponsoring you, willing to, uh, you know, let you do that, stuff like that. So shout out to them. And, um yeah, so uh, make sure to check that out on Tuesday, and I think it's going to be at 5 p.m., but I will come back on here um, and do, like, I'll talk about it a little bit more with another video, but uh, thanks for watching, guys, and uh, make sure to uh, comment, like, subscribe, and uh, I'll see you guys later.